Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. Please stand with us and let's sing. Worship team, one of my favorite questions that the Bible asks is, death, oh death, where is your sting? Where is it? Because you've been defeated. We have, a, we have an overcomer. We have a savior. We have a king, and we have a, we have a Lord that has risen above. 
And I'm so glad to call him my Savior this morning. That is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And I'm so glad that we're here all together to shout it out and to celebrate and to worship for all that he has done for our lives. So thank you so much for coming back to Kavanaugh Church today, uh, this Sunday. And we have been praying for you. We've been praying that, the, that God's word just speaks deeply into all of our hearts so that we go away from this place changed truly changed because of his love for us. So it is good to have you back, and this is an awesome Sunday, and I hope you're excited. I hope you're ready. If you need it, coffee is out in the lobby, all right? So good. Hey, I'm going to invite you all to stand right back up real fast. We're going to pray and ask God's anointing on our services. All right, let's do it. Lord, we love you again. Thank you so much for bringing us back together, God. Um, Lord, I pray for salvation today. I pray for new commitments. I pray for strong families because, God, that is exactly what you want. I'm so thankful that we have a church here that is, that is, is constantly trying to provide the way and, and, and a foundation for that, to make sure that the lives of our people are strengthened in you, God. So, Lord, I pray that as your word is preached, and I pray as that we continue to worship today, God, that we are reminded that we, and that we know and that we understand it and that we commit to those promises, God. We love you so much, and again, thank you so much for all that you've done for us in your name. Amen. You can be seated. I'd like to invite the Edwards family. Come on up. Amen. Fantastic. The Edwards are going to come up here led by little Mac. I love Mac. Mac is such a cool little kid, and he's bringing his little sister, Miss Lula, up here. All right, well, hi, girl. How are you? And she's smiling at me. Isn't she the prettiest thing that you've ever seen? Miss Lula. Give Lula a big hand. She's awesome. Good deal. And what a family. What a family. Miss Maisie, how are you? Good to see you today. And there's little Maisie following you. Good deal. Fantastic. Man, what a crew. Isn't this a big crew? Dude, let me tell you, I've been in some churches that didn't have this many people in them. So, you know, this is a great family. Here, here's one thing I know about y'all's family. You believe in family. Family, family is special to you guys, and I know it is to you. And guys... Um, Dalton and Desi, God has blessed you. I mean, look at, look at that right there. God has blessed you in an incredible way. Now, I, I don't know if you know this, but these guys are in the middle of building a new house. Stress is pretty high, isn't it, right now? Stress is high for mama, you know? And, and I, don't know, I don't know that you're in their loop, but every once in a while, I'll get pictures of uh, the house being built, and this little guy right here is right in the middle of it, man. He can swing a big hammer, and, and I love to watch Mac build his house. And uh, here, here's the thing about the house that you're building. The most important part of that house is not even seen. And a whole lot of your budget in building that house is really underneath the house, isn't it? Because if you're going to build, Don, you know this, if you're going to build a house that is going to withstand the weather we have here in western Arkansas with the wind and the rain and the storms and the tornadoes, it has got to have a strong foundation. And I know that you've done that with your house. You've built it with a strong foundation. Jesus tells us that in order to build a home, and a home is different than a house, in order to build a home, a family, it's got to be built on a firm foundation as well. And you guys take that so seriously. So this morning, I want to remind you what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 about laying that firm foundation for these two precious kids. Here's what the Bible says. Hear, O Israel, 
the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk in the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So you take the Word of God, you love it, and then you pour it into the life of your kids. Lula, you love that, don't you? I'm also reminded of what the book of Proverbs says. Train up a child in the way they should go, and then when they are old, they will not depart from it. So Dalton and Desi, in presenting Lula for dedication, you not only signify your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but your desire that she come to know the Lord Jesus as her personal Savior and follow the Lord's will for her own life. In order to obtain this happy end, it is your duty as parents and as the entire family to teach her the fear and the ways of the Lord early, to watch over her education so that she is not led astray, to direct her youthful mind to the Holy Scriptures and her little feet to the house of God, to restrain her from all harmful associates and habits, and as much as in you lies, to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Will you endeavor to do so with the help of the Lord? And if so, all of you can say, we will. Because it takes a whole family to raise two kids, doesn't it? I now ask you, the congregation of Kavanaugh, will you come alongside Dalton and Desi and help them as they raise these two precious kids to know, follow, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ? If so, will you say, we will? Fantastic. That is a great affirmation. I got a couple of things for you. Uh, here is a beautiful certificate that, that you can have and put somewhere in that new bedroom you're going to get. And th th this is a letter that I have written to Miss Lula. Keep it in a safe place, and when she turns 18, let her open it and read it. It's from me, and what it does, church, is remind her of what we did this day. And if she has not already accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior, I ask her to consider doing that. I've been doing this for well over 20 years here in the church, and I'm getting cards and letters weekly of kids that we've dedicated who've turned 18 and they open their letter. And uh, so I think it's a very significant thing. Dalton, I'm going to give you this. It is a little pink Bible with Miss Lula's name on it, and I charge you as her daddy to teach her from that book. All right? Miss Lula, will you come to me? Tell you what, let's just do this together with Mama right here. Can I hold you right here? Brother Johnny is going to come. And uh, Miss Lula, we dedicate you to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is our prayer that you find, follow, and finish God's good, acceptable, and perfect will for your life. Brother Johnny, would you pray for her? Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to be here today with this family. God, we just uh, lift them up, and especially Lula. God, it's a special day in her life where we dedicate her back to you. We just pray for her, Lord, in every aspect of her life. We know how she's made carefully with your hands. God, we just pray for her future, Lord, and just bless her in all that she does. And God, thank you for this family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We dedicate you to the Lord, precious one. Isn't she great? Give Miss Lula and her family a big hand. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for being up here and pray for them. Wow. Wow. What a pretty little girl. Isn't she great? Oh. Man, I love babies, 
You guys keep having them, and we'll keep dedicating them to the Lord, all right? <laughs> Wonderful. Church, <clears throat> excuse me, will you stand up? We're going to continue to worship God in song. Give him your all through these songs, would you?
how good you have it or a good thing that you have until it's gone, until it's taken from us. Um, I think I realized that after March 2020 when COVID hit and we were no longer able to meet like we do right now. And really, I had the realization for the very first time how much I needed worship with other believers together in this place. And the scripture tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Um, and that's not there uh, without a purpose, right? We need it for accountability and we need it for our spiritual health and for growth. Um, just to be able to worship our God together. And I can recall, I don't remember when the date was, but uh, when we first got to open the doors again, and it was limited seating, um, we're following protocols, but we got to be here. And for that very first Sunday, it was like we had been caged up, you know? And the people that got to come on that Sunday, I mean, there was such joy to be in the house of the Lord and get to worship together, right? Yes, and so I don't want us to take that for granted. And there's a scripture that says, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. And that's what this next song is about, house of the Lord.
praise this morning. We praise your name. What a beautiful name it is. What a wonderful and powerful name it is. And God, we're so thankful that no matter what difficulty we're facing or how the world tries to drag us down, um, all we have to do is call on your name. God, we invite you in this place this morning. And we pray that you would just pour over this service as the word is preached. Lord, I pray that you would just open our hearts and, and help each and every one of us to hear exactly what you have to say. Lord, help us to listen. Help us apply it to our lives. And help us have the courage to not be quiet. There is joy in your house this morning. And there's joy in our hearts because of you, because you're there. And I pray that you would just help us to be bold witnesses for you. Help us to go out and tell. Help us, Lord, to fill up your house. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yeah, you can give the Lord a big hand. He doesn't mind that one bit. Well, uh, what I'm going to talk to you about this morning is of really utmost importance. I've been doing a series through the book of Joshua. Today we come to the final chapter, chapter 24. So that means this is the last sermon in Joshua. And maybe, maybe the most important one. Um, I, I realized how important this message really is when I preached it at nine o'clock uh, because that, people in the church maybe didn't know it but there was there was this kind of dynamic going on inside of me and 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 I realized that the devil really doesn't want this kind of a message to be preached all right the devil doesn't want you to hear what I have to say today so I don't know if you've sensed it or felt it I sure have there there is a real spiritual battle going on in our building today because the devil wants your mind not to hear what the Word of God has to say today. So before we do anything else, would you pray with me? We're going to pray that the Holy Spirit have freedom to speak the Word of God and that as I say it on the outside, you hear it with all the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside. Pray with me right now. Lord, we do know that there is power in the name of Jesus. And so I pray in the name of Jesus right now and ask that you speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to hear the word that you have for us today. Lord, speak to our families. Help us, dear Lord, to build a strong foundation for our kids and our grandkids. And dear Lord, I pray that everyone in this room and all those listening online would be able to boldly affirm, as for me and my house... We are going to serve the Lord. Speak that into our hearts and souls today, for we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. 
Uh, years ago when I went to Hillsdale, which is now Randall University, the first thing they told us is, you need to find a local congregation to be a part of while you're a student here on this campus. In fact, we had to fill out weekly forms where we went to church and even details of what happened in the service. They kept a pretty close tab on it back then. Well, I, I spent the first few weeks visiting one of the many churches in the, the Norman, uh, Moore, Oklahoma City area. But after about three weeks, I, I went to Norman First Free Will Baptist Church, which is now Cross Point, and I knew that my search was over. Uh, not only was it a great church, but I really connected with the pastor, a guy named Joe Grizzle. Anybody know Brother Joe? Brother Joe Grizzle, just fantastic, great man. He and I connected. We became very good friends. In fact, uh, soon thereafter, he invited me to go with his family water skiing. I'd never been water skiing before, but Brother Joe taught me how to water ski. And he, he'd just laugh. <laughs> Hang on a little longer, Willie. He called me Willie. <laughs> when you go under the water, let go of the rope, Willie. <laughs> but he did. He taught me how to water ski. He, he actually became my mentor. I would go to his office once a week, and he, he literally taught me how to do a wedding ceremony. He taught me how to do funeral sermons. And then when Angie and I decided to get married, we asked Brother Joe if he would officiate our wedding. He said, yeah, on one condition, I need a little counseling time with you and Miss Angie. And so we went and Brother Joe talked to us. I remember several of the things that he said, but two things stand out in his conversation and counseling that not only he spoke to me, but I visually saw Brother Joe do this with his wife and his two kids. He said to me, he said, Willie, Angie needs to be your best friend. And 30 years from now, when I see you and ask you, Willie, who's your best friend? I hope you can say Miss Angie is. Well, that's been 38 years ago, and without a doubt, she is my best friend. Joe told me that, but you know what? Joe fleshed that out because his wife, Miss Billy, was his best friend. They walked hand in hand everywhere that they went together. He would open the door for her or the car door for her. He spoke so gently and lovingly to her that you knew Brother Joe loved Miss Billy. No doubt about it. Second thing he told me, he said, Will, you're, you're going to enter into a vocation that is very demanding and really hard on families. Your church is going to demand your time. And so you're going to have to be very careful about giving your family time away to the church. You need to protect your family time. You need to spend time with your kids. And you need to make sure that they have spiritual growth and spiritual development. What good is it going to do you if you build a great church and see a whole lot of people saved, but you lose your family? And you know what? I saw Brother Joe flesh that out because he really did love his kids and he really did spend quality time with them. So Miss Angie and I, we, we've built our family on that foundation. That, that is the rock we tried to raise our three kids on. She's done a whole lot better job at it than I have. But I think if you ask my kids, they, they know pretty well where their daddy stands on things and that he loves them with all of his heart and repeatedly, I have told my three kids from the time they were little bitty, even till today, guys, I don't care where you go or what you do, one thing that really matters, one thing I want you to make sure of 
is that when it's all said and done, we spend eternity in heaven together. Because that is the most important thing. In fact, Charles Swindoll says that home, your family life, is the foundational institute. It's greater than any other institute on earth. The family is the most important thing. He says it is the anvil where our lives are fleshed out. Family is important. Because let me tell you, kids go through some pretty tough stuff. They need to have a firm foundation at home. This world is shaky ground. They need something solid to come home to. I wish all of you could have been here Wednesday night. Brother Nathan, we had teen service, and it was great, wasn't it? Teenagers did a great job leading in worship, and Brother Nathan preached one of the best sermons I've ever heard him preach. You need to go back and listen to it on Kavanaugh.com or on Facebook. Listen to that sermon. It was a great sermon. One of the things Nathan said is to the kids, he was speaking to the kids, he says, guys, I really wish, I wish you could have grown up when I grew up because your, your culture, our society is so difficult right now. It was tough when I was a kid, but it's so much tougher now. And I said amen when he said that. But Dallas also snickered a little bit too. Because I can remember saying that to Nathan's generation. And I know how tough it was when I was a teenager. Dude, let me tell you, during between classes, I knew guys that would go out and smoke dope in their pickup trucks. And they'd come back into class and everybody would get high just smelling them. It was pretty rough when I grew up. I, I cannot even begin to imagine not only what our kids are going through, but what my two grandkids are going to go through as they get older. It's nothing new, but it just gets worse. I, I saw this on the Internet. And I, I don't need to read to you things I find on the Internet, but I thought this was pretty good. It said, kids in the 30s grew up during the Depression. You think it's tough now. It was pretty tough back then. Everybody in the family had to work. Everybody. And a dollar was a whole lot of money. Kids in the 40s grew up with World War II and Frank Sinatra. I don't know. I guess it kind of levels out right there. I don't know. Kids in the 50s. Did, how many of y'all were raised in the 50s? You were a kid in the 50s. You grew up with black and white television, hula hoops, and a kid from Tupelo, Mississippi named Elvis. My dad actually had a wreck. His car hit Elvis Presley's car at the movie theater in Midland, Texas. Long time ago. Ask him about that sometime. In the 60s, kids grew up with the Beatles, LSD, assassinations, and Vietnam. Kids in the 70s grew up with Charlie's Angels, Disco, Happy Days, MASH, Saturday Night Fever, and the Doobie Brothers. Kids in the 80s grew up with crack cocaine, AIDS, MTV, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Nightmare on Elm Street. Kids in the 90s grew up with The Simpsons, Friends, Seinfeld, Michael Jordan, and rap music. Kids in the aught grew up with 9-11, The War on Terror, American Idol, Harry Potter, Southport, MySpace, and somebody by the name of Hannah Montana. <laughs> Boy. Kids in the teens are growing up with iPhones, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, sexting, 
and gay marriage that is legal. Our kids see more, know more, and experience more. And they grow up so much faster than you had to grow up. Sex talk is nothing new because these kids hear it every single day. Against that reality, the words of Dr. James Dobson ring true when he said, we must make the salvation of our children our number one priority. Nothing else really matters. You think about that. When it's all said and done, nothing else really matters. You can go wherever you want to go, kids. Do whatever God calls you to do. But when it's all said and done, let's make sure that we spend eternity in heaven together. Joshua certainly understood the power of parenting and the importance of having a solid foundation for his family. At the end of his life, in Joshua chapter 24, he calls all of the people of Israel together for one last final speech. He knows that he's only one step away from death, and so he sounds a call of renewal. He does that in the beginning of chapter 24 with a recital of all of God's blessings. He goes all the way back to pre-Abraham. He talks about Abraham's father, Terah, and he recounts all of the blessings that God has given to this group of people and how God's hand of blessing has been on the people of Israel. And then in the later verses of chapter 24, he challenges the people to be faithful to God because God has been so good to you, you need to be faithful to the Lord. And then right in the middle of this message about being faithful to God, he makes this very famous statement that many of us have memorized and it has been spoken for thousands of years. Joshua affirmed, but as for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. I think in those words and in the verses leading up to them, we find four decisions that we've got to make if we're going to teach our family and lead them to worship God with us. What are these four decisions? Decision number one, I am going to build a grace-based family. That is, God is going to be at the very center of my life, and not only is God at the center of my life, I'm going to make sure that God is at the very core of my family. When we dedicated Little Miss Lula a while ago, I I talked about that house that the Edwards are building. There is a difference between a house and a home. But both need to be built on a firm foundation. And that foundation has got to be the Lord Jesus Christ. As Joshua recounts the story of the conquest of the promised land, he reminds these people all the things that God had done for them. Let let me begin reading in chapter 24, verse 11. He says, And you went over the Jordan and, and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also all of these Ike brothers, all right? We got the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. And I, the Lord God Almighty, sent the hornet before you. That is, I sent terror before you, which drove them out before you. The two kings of the Amorites, it was not by your sword, nor was it by your bow. 
I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built, and now you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you didn't even plant. Are you picking up what he's putting down? God is saying, hey, I've given you all of this. I have done all of this for you. Joshua is reminding them of that because here's the reality, and Joshua knew that. These guys were on a roll. I mean, every village, every city, every town they came to, they were being victorious. And if you have victory after victory in your life, sooner or later you're going to get a very big head and you're going to bow your chest out and say, wow, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Look at what I have obtained. And you know what? Joshua knew that once these people took credit for their victories, they would soon turn away from the Lord God altogether and that they would forget that it was the Lord who did all of this. We are to do with our families what Joshua does with the people of Israel. I think it's a really good thing to sit down with your kids and your grandkids and review the past blessings that God has poured out on your family. In fact, moms and dads, it would be a good idea if you, if you just wrote this stuff out, made it a, a, a living legacy. Sit down with your kids one day and just have a talk to them, uh, maybe over a pizza or, or some cookies or whatever, and say, hey, guys, do you remember? Maybe look at your daughter and say, hey, babe, do you remember when you got really sick and mom and dad were so worried about you you were so sick, and we couldn't get your temperature down, and so we took you to the emergency room. And there in the emergency room, we prayed over you, and we asked God to heal you, and he did. Our, our kids, do y'all remember when dad lost his job? And we didn't know what we were going to do for money, and so we gathered around our family altar, and we prayed and asked God to, to lead us and direct us. And the very next week, God gave our dad a better job. Or do you remember the time you came home from school and you were so concerned about a friend that, that doesn't go to church and you know they're lost and they don't have Jesus as their Savior and if they died right now, they would go to hell. Do you remember us praying for them and inviting them to church and six months later they got saved? You see what we're doing, guys? We're reminding our kids and ourselves that God is great and every good thing that we have came from God. A, a good memory of God's blessing is a bulwark against you backsliding. So you need to remind yourself every day, it ain't you that's done this. It's God who's given this to you. Has God blessed you? Nathan, some of them do need to go get more coffee, don't they? <laughs> so let me ask you again. Has God blessed you? Yes. Has God been good to you? Yes. A, a good exercise for you to do is to get a, a pen and a notepad, or if you're Devin's generation, your iPad, okay? And you just make a list of all the blessings God has poured out on your family. And occasionally read that to your kids. But more than anything, leave it as a legacy for your family. Guys, listen to me. You need to sink your roots deep into the things of God. 
You need to make sure that you are building your home, your house, your family on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Decision number two, I'm going to teach my family to worship God. Look at verse 14. Two things. Number one, now fear the Lord. And number two, serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, the ones that they worship beyond the Euphrates River and even in Egypt. And there it is again, serve the Lord. Two things, you fear the Lord and you serve the Lord with all faithfulness. The first thing is fear the Lord. We hear that, fear the Lord. (laughs) I'm afraid of the Lord. (laughs) It's not what he's talking about. I can remember at my first church, I, I preached a sermon on, on fearing the Lord. you got to fear the Lord. And I don't guess I explained it very well because this visitor, this lady, first time in our, in our church, and you could tell she was a pretty wealthy lady. When she walked out, she said, I'll never come back to this church. I'm not going to raise my kids in a church that says you got to fear God. I said, okay, bye. <laughs> Didn't know what to say to the lady. It's not fear like we, oh, I'm scared. The word means a reverential respect for God. I don't sin because I don't want to drag God's name through the gutter. I respect my God so much, I'm going to serve him, and I'm going to obey him. It's not that he could strike me with with botch, which he could. It's not that, you know what, if I die in my sins, I'm going to go to hell, which If I die in my sins without Christ, I am going to go to hell. No, the reason I serve the Lord and love the Lord is because I have this reverential respect for God. And as his child, I don't want to bring any disgrace on his name. Wow. How do you share this devotion, this this inner devotion, this great fear of God with our families. Well, I think it's more of an atmosphere that they catch than it is a program that we teach. Because actions speak louder than words. And and when parents really fear the Lord, they have this reverential respect for God and the things of God. You know what? Their kids are going to be the same way. When, when parents love the Lord their God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, guess what? The kids are going to see that. And, and they're going to feel the same way about the Lord. When, when parents go into the kitchen and say, Hey, Siri, play third day. Or play, you know, Christian music. And Siri starts playing it and you start singing it. Guess what? Our kids are going to hear that. When they see you in here in God's house, worshiping God and singing and praising him with your lips, then they're going to sing praise songs to the Lord. When your kids see you praying, guess what? They're going to pray as well. But parents, you've got to do it. You, you've got to be like Brother Joe and Sister Billy. You, you've got to be that example. And men, it's your responsibility Men, I'm talking to you. Guys, wake up. This is just for you. I'm speaking to dads and husbands and grandfathers and great-grandfathers and uncles. 
I'm speaking to young men, to school teenagers, to college men, to young single men, older single men, men of every age. This starts with you. For too many years, we have delegated the spiritual leadership and the foundation of our children to women and to mothers while we've been out doing whatever it is we want to do. And we have placed a burden on the women that God did not intend for them to bear alone. It is a partnership, and it takes both of you, husband and wife, dad and mom, to teach the children the things of God and to build a foundation that your home will be able to withstand the storms of life. The problem is most men just don't take the initiative. Can I remind you of something, guys? It is yours. It's your responsibility. You are the spiritual leader of your house. And you will stand before God and give an account of what kind of spiritual leader you've been to your wife and your kids. While I was laboring over that this week, I, I, re, I was reminded of a picture that I saw. And I, I couldn't remember. Then, then I realized, remembered it was Norman Rockwell and went and researched and found that it actually appeared on the Saturday Evening Post in 1959. And I found the picture and we got it for you. I'll give your eyes a second to adjust. I think it was called Easter Sunday or something like that. There you got a family. The, the train is led by a little girl. She's all dressed up, got a bonnet on. This is 1959. She's got a Bible in her hand, a little purse she's carrying. I don't know if that other little girl is her twin sister. It really looks like a twin sister to me. I don't know, the second one might be a little taller, so she might be a, a little older, but they, they look alike. And then there's pretty mama. She's got her blue hat on. She's got her Bible. I don't know. She's got a concerned look on her face. But then look at that little guy. He's, he's all dressed up in his suit. Looks like he's got a bow tie on. He's carrying a Bible. But he's looking at something. Guys, tell me the, the problem with this picture. What's the problem right there? The dad. That's, that's the problem. It, it is apparent this is Sunday morning and mama's taking the kids to church and there's a, there's a good old dad. Got his house shoes on, pajamas, robe. Cup of coffee down there in the floor, newspapers all around him, reading the paper. Got a cigarette in his hand. Y'all can't see that from back there, but there's a cigarette. Look at that look on his face. As, as I studied that picture and I looked at that little kid, I, I see he's looking at his dad, and, and I really don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what Norman Rockwell wanted us to think he was thinking, like, Dad, why, why are you sitting there? Or maybe, maybe it's this, Dad, how come I'm having to go to church and you ain't? But you know what? Dad is the problem in this picture. And let me tell you, that is not a man who fears the Lord. And guys, let me tell you, this, this is a call for you to step up to the plate and be the man that God has called you to be. That, that is a spineless wimp sitting there. Because a real man is going to make sure that his family 
is built on the lordship of Jesus Christ and that his kids go to church and they know the truth of the gospel. So we are to fear the Lord. But we're also to serve the Lord with all faithfulness. That, that means every area of our life must be surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ with all faithfulness. That means that there can be no hidden compartments reserved only for ourselves. It, it means that we put aside the false gods worshipped by the pagans. Remember that verse that we just read? It says you put behind you these false gods on the other side of the Euphrates River. It is that you serve the Lord only. Matthew Henry calls these false gods dunghill deities. You put these dunghill deities aside. He meant by that they have no power to save and they will only corrupt your life. And so dads, here is your mandate. You build your family, your home, your life, your kids on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And husbands and wives, moms and dads, you teach your family to worship the Lord. Decision number three, if we want our families to serve the Lord, you've got to share with them and pass on to your family a spiritual heritage. Let me read verse 15 to you. It begins by saying, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. The newer translations put it this way. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, if you make it your choice not to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve, whether it be the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But you choose today who you're going to serve. Now, when, when I first read this verse, I, I kind of got tripped up on a few of the words, but then, then it just struck home to me. Here's what Joshua's doing. Joshua realizes he cannot make people worship the Lord. You can't regulate religion. It is a free choice. Ultimately, even those in his own family, he cannot force them forever to serve the Lord. One day his kids are going to grow up and they're going to have to choose on their own who they're going to serve. And it comes down to this, individual accountability, and it is an individual choice. So here are your options, he says. Number one, you can choose to serve the Lord God Almighty. I would highly recommend it. But if you don't choose to serve him, here are your options. The gods beyond the river, that, that, that means the gods beyond the Euphrates River. It's referring to the gods of Ur of the Chaldees, where this family started with Abraham and his father Terah. Theirs would be the gods of ancient tradition, the moon god and the sun god. If you so choose, Joshua said, you can go back and worship the sun and the moon. And then he includes the god of the Amorites in whose land they are now living, which included the gods of fertility and the gods of sexual pleasure. Make it your choice. You got to choose. Make it your choice. God gave me my kids. My kids are not your kids. You don't have the responsibility like I do to raise my kids. They're my kids. Angie reminded me the other day of something Dr. James Dobson did say years ago, that parents, listen, 
Your kids may be the most precious thing to you, and they may be the smartest and the most talented, but they're not that way to everybody else. <laughs> and they're not, but you know what they are to you. I love my kids. I care about my kids. We've, we've poured everything we've had into our kids. But you know what? <laughs> there comes a point, and my kids are at that point because they never, no longer live in my house. They have to make their own choices. It doesn't mean that I've stopped loving them and caring for them. Gary, I pray more for my kids today than I did when they were living under my roof. And, and I don't know what the future holds for them. I don't know what they're going to get into or involved in or how the world is going to influence them. But I, I, do know, I do know that they're going to have to make their own choice. Daddy's choice for them no longer exists in their life. They've got to choose for themselves who they're going to serve. The same thing is true with you. I love you guys. I, I don't want you to go to hell. I, I want you to spend eternity in heaven. I want us to all go to heaven together. I want you to love God. I want you to serve the Lord. But I can't drag you down to this altar and twist your arm and coerce you into giving your life to Jesus. Because you know what? If we do that, it, it's not for real. And it's not going to last because you can't make somebody choose Jesus. I can passionately plead with you. I can beg you. I can beg my kids. But what it comes down to is a personal decision. You've got to choose. And, and that's what Joshua is saying. You've got to choose. Now, it doesn't mean that, that we're not passionate or that we don't care. Whatever you choose, go ahead. Do, do what you want to do. I don't care. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that we give our kids every tool that is available, that we lay the foundation, that they know what is right and what is wrong. Without a doubt, they know. It's, it's almost been a year since Angie's mama died. We were back in Corning a couple of weeks ago. They had to clear everything out of the house because it sold, and, and that, that was a hard time. Angie was there with her two sisters, Debbie and, and Candy, and, and uh, one of the brother-in-laws, John Paul, was there. And, and uh, it, interesting side note, everywhere we went in Corning, into every store, into every restaurant, everybody knew these three girls. Angie hasn't lived there for 40 years, but they knew who she was. They knew who her sisters were. They would say, here comes the Archer girls. We couldn't even eat meals because people kept coming over to our tables wanting pictures with the Archer girls. Let me tell you, they were famous. All three were cheerleaders. They, they, you know what they had, though? They had a good name. The Archer name was a good name in Corning. You know why they had a good name? Because they had a godly mother. Her daddy was killed in 1972. He was a deputy sheriff in Clay County, shot down in the line of duty. But before... Glendale was killed. He laid the foundation for that family to be built on. 
He taught his kids from an early age, you love Jesus and you serve Jesus. And when he was taken way too young, Miss Peggy didn't miss a step. She poured her life and her Jesus into those five kids. And I can tell you, there is absolutely no doubt in the lives of her five kids where she is today. She left this world singing songs to Jesus. She left planet Earth quoting scriptures to her God. Now you sit down and talk with Miss Angie, and you'll hear a whole lot of stories about the things they didn't get to do growing up. They didn't get to go here. They didn't get to go there. They didn't get to do that. They didn't get to do this. You know why? Peggy said, Christians don't do that. We're not doing that. You live in my house, you're going to live a certain way. Now, her siblings and she herself can choose whatever life they want to live now, but they were given the right foundation. They were given a spiritual heritage. Her inheritance is split five ways with, with her siblings. She's not getting a whole lot of this world's goods, but she got something a whole lot better. She was given gold, silver, and precious stones from her mama. So you listen to me, moms and dads. The greatest gift you can give your kids and your grandkids is a spiritual heritage. Yes, they're going to have to decide on their own, but you need to lay it out for them and give them that choice. And that brings me to the fourth decision. You choose daily to serve the Lord. Every day you're going to have to get up and you're going to have to decide who you're going to serve today. Joshua said it this way, but as for me and my house, some translations use the word household, others say family, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. This is one of the most famous statements in all of the Old Testament, and rightly so, because it expresses the heart of this great spiritual leader. He's about to die, but he wants this as his legacy. You guys, you nation of Israel, you people, you leaders, you can go out and do whatever you want to. You serve whatever God you want to serve. But as for me and my family, we are going to serve the Lord. Matthew Henry said that serving the Lord involves serious godliness. Because that's what it's going to have to take if you're going to serve the Lord. You can't do it half-heartedly. It's going to take serious godliness. And parents, don't, don't get older in life and be very disappointed in the decisions that your kids have made when you didn't take Christianity seriously yourself. Living for God is serious business. And it can be hard work. Note the several implications in that one simple statement. First, each of us must personally decide that we're going to serve the Lord. I can't make that decision for you, nor can you make it for me. Secondly, parents have a special obligation to set the right example in this area. We can hardly expect our kids to serve Jesus if we have taken our duties lightly. And then thirdly, 
Fathers, you have the highest obligation. It all begins and ends with you. And yes, you are going to have to stand before God one day and give an account of your spiritual leadership to your family. I'm struck by Joshua's statement. This is a bold statement. You choose who you want to serve, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. A couple of things about it and I'm done. This is a public statement. He's talking to the whole nation of Israel. You choose, but as for me and my house. He means, you know, guys, I love you, but when it comes down to it, you're going to have to make your own decisions. I'm going to serve the Lord. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I've made my decision. And you know what? If you follow Jesus Christ, there's going to come a time when you're going to have to say to other people in your family, guys, you do what you want to do. And whatever you do, whatever you choose, I'm still going to love you and I'm still going to be your friend. But I'm not doing that because I'm going to serve the Lord. You see, choosing the Lord doesn't just happen by accident. It's a decision that you make. And you can't keep that decision private. you got to go public with it. The second thing that strikes me about this statement, it is a personal decision. He said, as for me, in the end it comes down to this. You must choose to serve the Lord. It doesn't happen by accident. It can't be inherited from your parents. It's not in your genes or your DNA. Your parents can give you a good godly heritage, but at some point, you've got to decide on your own. It's what I decide to do. You know what? One step further than that, every morning when I get up, I've got to decide who I'm going to serve. I've got to decide what I'm going to do with my life that day. It's your choice. This is also a persuasive declaration. He says, as for me and my house... This may be the most amazing thing about this entire statement. Joshua is speaking as the God-appointed leader of his house, his clan, his family. When he says, as for me and my house, as for me and my family, he's speaking for his wife, his kids, his grandkids, and all the servants under the roof that he provides for. He says, we're going to serve the Lord. You know, Pastor, I just, I just don't want to force my kids to come to church. I don't want to force them to do what the, I think it'll give them a bad attitude. And they won't want to come to church later. I'm not going to force them. What kind of thinking is that? I mean, whose house is it? As long as you provide the house, the roof, the clothing, the heating, the air, the food, the car, the insurance, I think you can make a few demands. Preacher, uh, we just don't feel like we're, we're getting what we need at church and kids are not happy and that they want to go somewhere else. So we're going to let them pick where we go to church. Now, I'm about to say something that would get me in trouble in most churches, but Kavanaugh is not most churches, and y'all love me. 
It, listen to me, it is not your kid's role or responsibility to make spiritual decisions like that in your home. As long as you kids are living in this house and I'm paying the bills, guess what? Come Sunday morning, we're going to church. Wednesday night, we're going to be in God's house. And no, you're not going to that concert. Just ask Miss Angie about it. Gary, I grew up in Midland, Texas back in the day where, you know, athletics was big, but we didn't do anything on Wednesday nights or Sundays because that was church night. You know, we didn't, they didn't have any. But my sixth grade year of football, the Emerson Knights, we were playing for the city championship. It was supposed to be done on a Saturday, but it got rained out. And the only day we could get back into the high school football stadium was on a Wednesday night. Guess who didn't get to be the star running back in the city championship game because it was played on a Wednesday night? You say, well, that's pretty hardcore. Let me tell you, that old man right there was pretty hardcore. <laughs> Can I tell you something? I knew not to even ask. Did it make me mad? Eh, maybe a little bit. But I got over it. I can tell you this, the effects of that has lasted much longer in a positive way than it did in a negative way. Amen. And I know it might not be that way for every kid and every family, but I thank God that I had a dad and a mom who were willing to stand firm and teach their kids what is right. One last thing about this statement that just rings home true to me is this is a positive statement. It's nothing negative. We're going to serve the Lord. And serving the Lord is a good thing. God is everything to us. His law is going to be our law. His commandments, our delight. His worship, our highest goal. His glory, our ultimate aim. Notice Joshua does not say, my house without me is going to serve the Lord because if it were that way, he would be like that Norman Rockwell painting. Nor does he say, me without my house because that is the ultimate hypocrisy. No, the family is joined together in this all-inclusive statement as for me and those under my spiritual authority, we are going to serve the Lord. Now, guys, again, I'm, I'm, I don't want to make a lot of the fact your, your kids are ultimately going to make their decision on their own. But you, you've, you've got to raise them right. You've got to teach them right. You've got to pass that godly heritage down to them. And that if, then if they don't make that decision to follow Jesus, you know what? It ain't going to be your fault. So that's what it comes down to. You've got to serve somebody. Who are you going to serve? I'm, now I'm just talking to you. No mistake about this. you got to serve somebody. Who are you going to serve? Now, I've, I've, I've quoted Joshua. I've quoted uh, Chuck Swindoll. I've quoted James Dobson. Now I'm going to quote somebody else who's not a theologian. Bob Dylan. 
Anybody remember the old rocker Bob Dylan? Did, did you know he wrote a pretty good song one time? <laughs> you got to serve somebody. It, it, it is the reoccurring chorus in this song. Here's what it says. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Words of Bob Dylan. But it's the honest to goodness truth. Because right now you are serving somebody. It's your choice. You, you, you can serve the God of this world. You can drink at the cesspool of sin instead of the living waters of Jesus. Your choice. But I beg you with all my heart and I plead with you with everything I have inside of you. Make it your choice to serve Jesus. Because no matter where you go, no matter what you do with your life, I want to make sure that we're in heaven together. Let's spend eternity together. Choose Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would do that right now, that, that everyone in this room and those listening online would choose Jesus. Lord, it, it may be for someone that first-time decision that they invite Jesus into their heart this morning. I pray that they would do that, that they would choose Jesus, receive salvation. For, for some of us, maybe we need to choose Jesus because we haven't been following Jesus. We haven't been living like we need to be living. Help us to make it our decision today to choose Jesus, to serve Jesus. And Lord, I pray that families would come to the altar this morning. That we would pray as a family. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I pray for dads to take the initiative and bring their families to the altar. I pray that moms and dads and kids would pray at the altar today. and Turn their home into a home that loves Jesus. I love you, Lord. And I love my kids. And I pray that they choose Jesus just as I have chosen Jesus. Move, work, help us to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Praise team is going to sing. The altars are open. If you'd like to come and pray as a family, if you need to come and pray by yourself, step out right now. Come.
sing that with the praise team. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Lord, we affirm we need you today. Confirmed that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you be seated just for a second? Service is not over. We got, we got another really cool thing I want you to see and be a part of. We got a baptism coming up, all right? So uh, let's rejoice in what God is doing in the lives of our people and our teenagers. Uh, can you hear them? Are they ready back there? We're going we're gonna to pop the switch and pull the, yeah, maybe, maybe. There we go. Good deal. All right. Hey, good morning, Cavanaugh Church family. Wasn't that an awesome message or what? All about you. Yeah. All about you, but as a man, as a husband... And as a dad, I was challenged in a really good way today. It was a good reminder. Um, you got to serve somebody. And my friend Zach, he's chosen to serve somebody. All right? I love it. I love it. He got saved when he was about 10 or 11 years old and uh, has been in church a lot in his life. But he came to me a, cu- a couple weeks ago. And he's like, man, I just really feel like the Lord's calling me to do something bigger and better. And um, so we asked for that. We just listened to God's spirit, and uh, he wants to get baptized today, and I was really, really proud of him. He was in Blaze for about a year or so, um, and then he's, he's out a working man now, so it's really cool. Um, so I'm very proud of him, what God is doing in his life. I know he's going to go to the next level, and he's committed for it, and I love his heart. It's good to sit down with coffee with coffee, right, in general, but then also to hear your heart and to see how passionate he is about the Lord and, and serving him. So bapti- baptism is not the final uh, straw for, for salvation. Uh, baptism is a representation, is an outward expression for the inward change. It's something that we do publicly to say, hey, look, this is what Jesus has done in my life, and I want to publicly testify to that by identifying Christ and his death, burial, resurrection through baptism. So that's exactly what we're doing today. So, Zach, two questions. Have you asked Jesus in your heart, and is he your Lord and Savior? And do you promise to serve him for the rest of your life? All right, we'll step right here. With that being said, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let's go. All right. Good. Woo! Woo! Full immersion, I said, bro, whether it's just you or both of us, as long as it's all the way under, we're good. All right, Brother Will, will you pray for Zach for us? I want to pray for Zach. Join me, church. Lord, we love you. I'm so thankful for Zach. Thank you for his love for you, his testimony, and then, dear Lord, his baptism today. Be with him. Help him to live for you, and I pray that Kavanaugh Church would come alongside of him and encourage him. This we pray in Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Just a couple of last things. As you're leaving, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes or you can give online. And I say again, thank you, church, for giving not only to our church but also to the new building. 
Uh, tonight at 6.30, we're going to have Bible study online. Brother Ronnie is going to be teaching that. At 7 o'clock, uh, Wednesday, we have things for all ages. As you walk out today, we have iPads in the lobby to sign up for Adopt-A-Family. And Brother Johnny is even out there with uh, old pencil and paper taking names as well. Uh, we're not really for sure right now how Adopt-A-Family is going to look in December. We just know that we're going to do Adopt-A-Family. All Johnny is asking is, will you help? And so if you're willing to help, please let him know. Details will be coming. One last thing. I need you to pray with me. And I'm going to ask you specifically to pray every day at high noon. I'm a cowboy shooter. I like high noon things. So at high noon, would you join me in praying that we get this building finished? All right? Uh, they're, they're, we're so close, but yet there are some things that have to happen before we're able to go in there and worship. I have, I have reset our dedication date four different times because we've not been able to get things done. Right now, it's set for November 14th. We're going to have our celebration, dedication, open house, November 14th. We want to be in there worshiping two weeks before that. So that means that during the next two weeks, that has to be finished so that we can go in on October 31st and have our first Sunday in there. Then we want to worship again on the 7th to work out all the details and then have celebration on the 14th. So, I say all that to ask you, will you pray at high noon every day that we get this building finished? Would you? Let me know. Raise your hand. Say yes. We're not leaving until everybody raises their hand and says yes. All right, good deal. God bless you. Have a great day. Love you.